Hello everyone and welcome back to the Spongebob Lomatic cast. So today we will be going over episode 8. This is our 8th session here. This includes 8A, Sandy's Rocket, and also 8B, Squeaky Boots. Both of these are very memorable, very iconic episodes. And so they'll be interesting to get right into. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so Sandy's Rocket uh, starts off with SpongeBob uh, running over to Sandy's house. I, like he does before, he just kind of appears at people's houses, uninvited or not. Um, and he knocks on Sandy's, uh, Sandy's tree dome, but... Uh, Instead, uh, we see a rocket rise from the ground next to it, uh, revealing that Sandy was was working in that. Um, and, and I will say, too, uh, I, I didn't say this earlier, this is uh, written by Sherm Cohen, Aaron Springer, and Peter Burns, and is storyboarded by Sherm Cohen and Aaron Springer. Uh, but, but yeah, we do see, you know, she has a rocket with, with which she plans to go to the moon, and I just wanted to bring up that this is interesting, because this is the first time that we see what will become her defining character trait later in the series, which is that she is a scientist. And that is a very catch-all word. That means she can do every aspect of science, whether that be like undersea exploration, space, uh, engineering. She kind of just seems to have an ability to do all of those things in a very vague sense. Yeah, because up until now, the only sense we've gotten of her character is she's just like strong and good at fighting. Um, but I guess they were and like, from Texas. She's and, from and Texas. sorry, and from Texas. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, this is giving her kind of another layer on top of that. But I feel like the, the, the fighting aspect of her does get definitely dropped later and she just becomes a very smart person. It, it sort of becomes a very like over time. If I were to say like what flanderization trait is Sandy's, I would say she does science. Um, yes. there are certain episodes I know later where it's like, she does have martial prowess, but it's not really super relevant, like, 90% of the time. Like, it, it's interesting, because there is a specific episode way, way, way later, where um, there's this weird implication that SpongeBob does not have any martial prowess, but Sandy has an extreme level of it, which feels very incongruent. Like, it's not incongruent with what we've seen so far, but... There's reasons to think that that's odd as we go forward. But anyway, this is just, you know, a whole new character trait. Kind of, for the audience, it doesn't really pop out of anywhere. It's just kind of there. But, well, I mean, when you stop and think about it, okay, like, she's, you know, living in an underwater biome. So clearly the reason you do that is to do some kind of study. So it's not like it's a completely unwarranted aspect of her, for her to be a scientist and for her to do these kinds of studies. Um, but, you know, if you're going to la launch a rocket, you should probably start higher than sea level. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it's very strange that the uh whatever the Texas uh Texas space program is now apparently moved underwater, but you know, I mean and they're they're hiring squirrels now, you know. They're hiring squirrels, yes. Um and I, I do I do want to point out as well here, so the the very next thing that happens uh is that SpongeBob says he, he wants to go and Sandy states that she cannot trust him and yeah. implies it is because he <laughs> killed numerous people with her helicopter. Yes, this is very, it, it cuts, I think he, what's the word that she, she like whirly gig or whatever? I don't he know. He says whirly bird, which is very much so because she is from Texas. Yeah, whirly bird, like because of the whirly bird incident. And then she, like you see out the window of the spaceship, there is a 
graveyard full of headstones. This is, like, just brushed off as, like, a joke. It's not even, like, really that much of a joke. It's just, like, but the implication is that Spongebob killed scores of people. And it's but just... Mrs. Puff's worst fear is letting Spongebob on the road because he might hit some people. But, like, unbeknownst to her, Spongebob's already done more than that. Like, what the f- It's just, it's such a throwaway line, but it's, like, the implication is awful. Well, like, the further implication, because, like, they aren't buried in some, like, cemetery a distance off. That's Sandy's yard. <laughs> That's just... They're buried in Sandy's yard. She just took care of this and they didn't she, tell anyone. She had to bury it. I mean, she marked the grave, so it's not like it's an unmarked grave, but, like, what the fuck? Like, it's just, I, I, I never, I've never even remembered that. That has never clicked. I think it's because she uses the word whirlybird, and as a child, I didn't understand what she meant. Yeah, and, and I... it's like, okay, so he killed people in a helicopter accident. Yeah, I didn't, I, I don't even think, I, I mean, I don't even think you need to necessarily know what the whirlybird, like, whirlybird specifically is, just to know that, like, he just killed a ton of people. Like, and it's just not addressed or brought up at all. Like, I, I think my reasoning as a child was, like, I don't understand the connection, because I was like, what? what could a whirly bird be that it would cause that much devastation? But now I understand that, yeah, I mean, helicopters can definitely kill people. They definitely and SpongeBob's can. motor skills um, could definitely lead to that if he got really nervous. Like I just mentioned, like, he's trying to back it up, and there's just people, <laughs> and he's just at ground level. Oh, God. That is, yeah, it is very strange, very strange we'll line never indeed. We'll never that again. Um, yeah, that will no. never be, a, this nope. will never be addressed. Not at of, all. Of all the fallbacks Spongebob does, the time that he <laughs> killed an entire, like, population is not addressed. Oh, God, it's, it's so many, like, it's, it is like, and it's implied by, like, the way we look at it, that there are more beyond what we're seeing. Like, it is, it is, like, an entire graveyard's worth of people. It is so many. <laughs> I've never heard anyone even talk about it. Like, Neither have I. I just think it's one of those things that you just, like, you just didn't clock as a kid because it was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like, like as a kid, you were just maybe like, oh, bad thing happened. Like, yeah, okay. Like, but you didn't, like, I as an adult. I, I don't put these pieces together yeah, properly. Yeah, as an like... adult, it's like, oh, he just murdered a ton of people. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> It, it, like he doesn't even really seem to feel bad about it because like she's like i cannot trust you because of that incident and he's like nah you can trust me it's gonna be fine exactly yeah and then he goes on to try to he like naming various places that he could stay on the rocket ship so he would be out of the way um uh, like at one point he he put me in the brig i don't mind he like shuts himself on an air vent which sandy pushes him out of and stuff it's it's very, uh, you know, it's a fun little, fun little set piece. Just kind of, so we're seeing, you know, different parts of the ship. Um, and then uh, SpongeBob finally admits, or uh, Sandy finally uh, is like, all right, you can, you can stay in the cargo hold. And the, the whole reason Sandy didn't want him to go, aside from the, the tangent we went on about him killing people, was it, it isn't a trip for fun. She's a scientist. She's going there to study. What she says is this is science. And uh, she, she pulls up an equation for him, which is uh, f of x is plus or minus square root of x to the second plus x in brackets all to the third over pi, which, uh, fun fact, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. It's an arbitrary function she just wrote on a piece of paper really large. And, like, you, you can't input anything. You can't really, like, I guess you could solve for it, but it doesn't have to do with physics or motion or, like, anything. I, I have to wonder if, like, if she just wrote that down to be like, Spongebob, look, science, it's hard, go away. Uh, because it doesn't mean anything. But she she made a rocket, so clearly she knows. 
equations and engineering. Yeah, I think um, I think the writers just probably just wrote a bunch of stuff down. But yeah, it's kind of, I mean, hey, science. it's it's advanced science, Kurt. We just don't understand it. I I kind of feel like they were trying to think of like um like what the fuck is like x equals opposite b plus or minus square root like that equation, but they didn't remember it. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know. It's just like it's one of those things where it's like that's nothing but i'll trust that i i understand what it's standing in for yeah um and then uh, yeah, uh, so, you know. uh, yeah another part of the scene then is uh spongebob uh talking about wanting to fight aliens on the moon and sandy is obviously just like there are no aliens on the moon idiot the aliens don't exist um we cut to outside where sandy's testing a uh, a net gun that can like that can somehow perfectly wrap things up in net in a net regardless of like how they're sitting or whatever um and then uh, spongebob asks sandy oh are we going to use that to capture aliens um you know and he's just he's very convinced that uh the aliens not only exist but are on the moon he's very convinced that there are demons living on the moon that he has to fight but she 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 does let him know that it's for resource collection which I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, I feel like she could just use her hands. Yeah, but, it's like if you're you know, shooting at a rock. I guess if or she wants to be big dick about it, like, yeah. it like is. check it out. I have a gun. I can I can collect things with gun. It is kind of um, a cool gun, I suppose. It's an interesting concept. It just isn't really that important. It's no. like she. I feel like she, her, her in universe, like she made that to look cool. And yeah, that was for it. Sure. But um, that evening, so SpongeBob, he's trying to go to bed. He's trying to sleep because first thing in the morning is when they take off. Um, but then he can't really get to sleep. And Patrick shows up and Patrick apparently heard about this moon trip that's happening. And they have this little exchange uh, where he's like, I wanted to bring you something. A present? No. <laughs> and like, he just says no. Like, he's like, that's like, no, why would you think that? No. <laughs> um, but like what he brings him is uh, alien repellent, which does not work on burglars. Um, which which is a spray can that they're going to use to uh spray the windows to stop the aliens from getting in and spongebob's like oh you know there aren't aliens patrick sandy told me and patrick's like well we should really be safe and so they they go to the rocket to go uh in theory spray the alien repellent but really patrick just wants to go it, it's weird because patrick hasn't been shown i don't feel before to be like nefarious in his goals but it definitely seems like he brought that up so he could go screw around on the rocket ship. That is fair, yeah. I think it's more of a thing, like, with... I think he kind of maybe wanted to do both. On one hand, he wanted the, it to be safe for the aliens, but then he's also, like, once he saw the rocket, he's like, oh, I'm gonna... I'm just gonna mess around here. It may have been, like, secondary, but, yeah, he's still absolutely... It was a bit of an, an underhanded move. Um, Yeah, they, they open up the rocket, and there's just a lever... Uh, like to the side that opens up the rocket and it apparently just drops the entire door down instead of like you know it lowering or anything like that it just drops it and crushes spongebob which is a very strange way to design a door but you know a lot of this episode um very much has it it, it, it is this episode leans a lot into it's a cartoon so don't think too much about it there's a lot of logic and stuff in the and i mean and obviously every episode has aspects of that but this one there's a, I, I noticed it a lot of times where it's like okay they very much are relying on the fact that this is a cartoon to just to kind of like make some jokes or have certain things just make sense the way that they want to which isn't necessarily bad it's just i, I noticed it a lot with, it, with this episode um versus previous it, ones it is it is a whole thing like normally you wait till the reboot to do like characters in space characters baby edition characters 
high school question mark <laughs> and it's like here it's just like what if he went to space and they just kind of say like okay we can try that and um i mean i guess like sandy's whole existence is already kind of a suspension of disbelief in the way that like she is able to live underwater which would be a lot more complex for a land creature to actually pull off without suffering like severe physical repercussion over time yeah but um so i, I think that's kind of why you know, it sticks out, but it kind of works because it's already playing off of a suspension of disbelief that they've already given you before, yeah. uh, which makes it feel a little bit less jump the shark than other shows going to space may have. Yeah, I mean, uh, and technically with... they don't even really go to space, as we'll get to later. So it's not too much of a, not too much of a thing. Yeah, and I mean, so w when they're in the ship, um, you know, Patrick, he's he's messing around, and SpongeBob wants to be responsible. He's trying to say, like, we we shouldn't do this. You know, we're just here to spray the windows but in this at the same time he's also enthusiastic he wants to have fun so he, he's saying no but he's going along with it and he's kind of also enjoying himself and they find this panel of buttons and patrick's like I, I think this one starts it and then spongebob says that he's the space professional and that this one starts it, and he pokes this big green button uh which starts the ship and then we see we cut to like sandy waking up from the noise and she just has this look on her face like she is annoyed but not in a slightest bit surprised at what is happening yeah she's more just she's more just like oh, god fucking damn it i knew this was gonna happen um, like this was the exact reason she told him no in the first place exactly um yes this is gonna she, he's gonna kill people again <laughs> she's, she's, thinking, oh, god. she's yeah. thinking time to make more room in the backyard <laughs> go to grab the shovel and kind of dig more holes that would be such a good bit if they'd actually committed to that. Like, she just grabs a shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, they uh, so they go to space. And, um, again, one of the things, it's like we saw the ship earlier. And it's not like a it's not like a hole. Like, it's not like an empty tube. There are floors and, like, layers to it. But when they start going to space, you see SpongeBob and Patrick just falling down this long, like, corridor. Because, you know, they're getting pulled down by a gravity. Um, but then, obviously, once they break the Earth's atmosphere... Uh, they start floating because of the zero gravity. Uh, Patrick has a funny line where he goes, "Somebody get me down or up or something," <laughs> and, uh, and they they kind of just do a bunch of they, they they mess around. They lift heavy things, you know, because there's no gravity, so they're just messing around and doing stuff like that. They, they, they do the most fucking the, the something you could only do in space in zero gravity is they they get toothpaste and peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, they uh, one of the scenes like they're walking around lifting up like heavy uh, heavy weights and SpongeBob just doing it with one finger. Uh, but then uh, so we see the spaceship go up and start like circling the moon, which is very small in comparison to how the moon actually is. We see the spaceship just circling the moon. It doesn't land, and then it starts going back down towards Earth. Um, and then once they obviously get back inside Earth's uh orbit, uh. The you know gravity kicks in, so the weight falls and crushes SpongeBob's arm. And uh, Patrick says, "Hey, who turned the heavy back on?" Um. Yes, and and so at this time they they believe they've reached the moon, but they passed the moon and ended up pretty much right back where they started. They crashed into Bikini Bottom. Yeah, and they actually so right in front of their houses. And they have a whole situation where Patrick sees Gary, and then SpongeBob says, "We're on the moon. That can't be Gary. This is a projection that the aliens have made for us." And then. Patrick says uh, a very infamous line of they've taken what we thought we think and make us think we thought our thoughts. We've been thinking our thoughts. We thought we thought, I think. And so his response is, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He just says, like, oh, he's like, sure, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And then so SpongeBob and Patrick uh, shoot uh, the net gun to, to capture Gary inside the net. Um, and then 
uh, are going to take it back to Sandy to show her the alien. Uh, and Patrick starts chanting, alien hunting, alien hunting. And they, they uh, decide that they're going to go around this fake Batini bottom in their minds and, uh, and just start capturing uh, all the aliens and, and bring them back for some purpose. This fake Batini bottom. Yeah. Sorry, Batini. Shut up. <laughs> um, and in context, I, I, I kind of just like to, to look at this for a second. So presuming that they were right and they are on the moon, their first instinct was to go to the moon and capture the native species for fun and yes. then bring them back home. And it's like, man, y'all really grew up in a colonizer culture, huh? Like, Sp <laughs> SpongeBob is actually just like a terrorist. He murdered a ton of people. He feed <laughs> he makes first contact with an indigenous species and decides to capture all of them. <laughs> like, he is actually just a fucking menace to society. Columbus sailed the ocean blue and Spongebob didn't learn anything from it. He did not at all. And so they, they enter Squidward's house is the first place that they go. And they're like so rude just because <laughs> they now think that their friends are a foreign body. Because uh, like he's like, look at him, Patrick. It's disgusting. And so they Squidward is sleeping on. This is a very dated item. Um, I feel like if you watch the show today, you would not know what it is. I feel yeah. like I barely comprehend what it is. It's a hot water bag which is used to like, you know, you fill it with hot water and it's like for warmth. Um, but Squidward is sleeping on it. And they're like, oh, this must be its egg sack. And they shine a light through it while SpongeBob's holding it in his hands. And, and they interpret like, oh, it's twins. <laughs> Let's examine the embryo. It's like they believe, that the, they believe the alien equivalent of Squidward is capable of getting pregnant and now has twin eggs that it is like nesting it is everything in this uh, that they do is it's, so it's strange a lot. i think i think really it's just an excuse to have a lot of weird shit happen yeah. honestly because it's like you couldn't do there'd be no other context in which you could do that or have him be like a spongebob would not be allowed under a normal context to be mean enough to be like he's fucking disgusting yeah um, and then, uh, so Squidward doesn't wake up, but he, like, kind of, like, sleepingly moves one of his tentacles onto, uh, Patrick. They're wearing spacesuits this whole time. I don't know if we mentioned that. Um, onto Patrick's, uh, like, helmet. And, uh, Patrick yells, pardon my French, but get this thing off me! Which is not a swear word in any way, but it's, I mean, it's a kind of a French. Funny. Nor is it French. Well, people say pardon my French when they're going to swear. Like, they'll, like, they'll say yeah, a swear I, word. I, I know. Yeah. Um, and then, so the, yeah, Squidward's tentacles just start going on SpongeBob and Patrick and they say they grab him and start freaking out. And then Squidward wakes up and freaks out. Uh, and then, and, but then they eventually bag him up and, and start dragging him outside. Uh, at which point Mr. Krabs is walking by their house, walking his pet worm, which I don't think we ever see again, but it's, it's no, not... we do. We do see him later. Um, when they're making a commercial for the Krusty Krab, he's also walking that same oh, worm. Oh, really? Okay. Pet of his. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, then yeah, he has a pet worm. Um, and then obviously because they think they're on the alien planet, they 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 shoot uh, Mr. Krabs as well. Um, and then it just cuts to this montage of them them you know capturing some of their other friends and and dragging them in bags and stuff like that. And I, I feel like there's there's a couple important things about that. So when Mr. Krabs like sees them, he's like, ah, you guys, it's kind of late to be playing around like that. And they they <laughs> cock their guns at him and it makes like a cocking noise. He's like, okay, okay, shoot me, but don't take my money. Yeah. And like, like he, he really just has, you know, his priorities straight on that one. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the whole thing, it's like just 
they're not just satisfied like taking one or two natives they want to take the entire native population of this place and just bring them back for for god knows what i don't even know if they really comprehend what you would do with a native specimen honestly yeah they don't like they Um, say they're gonna bring it back to sandy for like i don't even think they say why they just want to bring them back to sandy to like impress her if if it were were just one i'd be like oh it's proof of aliens like no they want to capture the entire alien population (laughs) and it, it is important in the montage of everyone that is being captured there's a lot of incidental random citizens one of these citizens is a character we will come to know later is named flats yes i i I noticed that it's important to note this is the moment that they first meet because you will see him again later and he will dislike spongebob and spongebob will not understand why (laughs) but with this context it's like yeah I probably would hold a grudge about that too. Yeah, I get, I mean, it's never mentioned. I, I don't in that episode. Is it mentioned why he doesn't like him? And there were again. This is a later episode, but I don't think it's ever brought up. But it's never brought up that they've met before. Yeah, but like all we know is he dislikes SpongeBob, and SpongeBob cannot understand why he is disliked. And it's like if I, you're just <laughs> watching that episode cold, you also can't comprehend why that's happening. But then it's like, yeah, I mean, Spongebob, like, it's one thing, like, people like Squidward, Mrs. Puff, Mr. Krabs, it's like, they kind of know what they're getting into. These are Spongebob's, like, acquaintances, and they know he's going to do things like this. Yeah. Um, Flats is a random guy. He's just some guy, and he got dragged into this. So it's like, obviously, he wouldn't be as forgiving about it. I like the headcanon that, like, Flats got so traumatized by this that he, like, had to go to therapy and, like, convince himself that it wasn't real. And so when he met SpongeBob in the <laughs> in, in the future, he didn't remember why, but he just immediately had a hatred of him. I think that's, a, that's like, a funny, uh, like, headcanon for that. And because, like, no one actually remembers the events of other episodes, but they're still emotionally charged by them. Exactly. Um, um, but w- what happens next there, so... Sandy, she went to the moon to go look for them. Oh, yeah. Um, which you'll see the moon is about four Sandys tall. Yes. Um, interesting scaling there, because she she is just a squirrel. Yeah. But she comes back down and she kind of just starts berating them. And she's like, This is what you two've been doing. You're just you're capturing up the whole f- town and rounding them up and all your friends. And then SpongeBob and Patrick just look at each other, and then like she's just complaining, right? And like from the audience's perspective in that moment, it looks like they just don't feel like listening to her complain, and so they just shoot her. Yeah, no, they, like, they... Because here's the thing, too. From their perspective, they should have seen this... Because it's very weird, because she has... Sandy has a jetpack that we see her, and we, we didn't mention this earlier, but Sandy has a jetpack that she can also just take to the moon, so I don't know why she needs a rocket ship, but whatever. Well, she's bringing back samples. I suppose. But, like, she can just go up to the moon whenever she wants. Like, you don't need to make a big trip out of it. Apparently, it's not that far. Um, but from their perspective, this shouldn't be that weird to them that Sandy is here. Like, like she, if the, if she had, like, clearly if if in this universe, a jetpack could just take you to the moon, surely that they would be able to see, oh, this is probably Sandy. She descended in a jetpack. She probably like can just do that. And it's very weird that they think it's that weird, like, that she's just an alien. So either they're just, again, they're just that stupid, which, I mean, they are, or they just actually do believe that that's Sandy. <laughs> At this point, um, we really see that, like, a full sense of paranoia has just set in within them. Because yes. after they do that, they both suspect that the other is an alien, as though, like, the being an alien was some kind of, like, it, not it, um, some kind of, like, infection, like, God, what is that movie? Um... 
alien. thing. It's oh. some kind of the thing type infection where it's you just become one and it's bad to be one. Well, here's uh, here's the thing about that is they don't think that the other the, each other is an alien. Sp the way that the conversation goes is SpongeBob says, "So you were an alien this whole time and you didn't even tell me." And then Patrick says, "I didn't even know." So like Patrick's just like <laughs> Patrick immediately is convinced that he is an alien and so he has to shoot SpongeBob before SpongeBob can shoot. No, he shoots himself. Patrick is the one that shoots. So he is convinced that he is an like it's it's not that they think that each other are aliens, it's that SpongeBob thinks Patrick's an alien, and then Patrick also thinks that Patrick is an alien. And then he's just like, it's not you that's got me, it's me that's got me. <laughs> yeah. And he just shoots himself. And so at that point, SpongeBob is trying to fly the rocket to what he perceives to be home with all of these alien life forms on it and then the problem is he crashes on the actual moon like it's implied he ran out of fuel and he's like oh you know this looks kind of different and then it's implied that like he realizes his mistake yeah um because everyone's like spongebob the aliens would like to have a word with you mm -hmm. yeah and it's there's a scene we didn't talk about earlier too where like before uh sandy arrives where they're just like shoving people into the ship like they can't like they can't fit any more people. They have piles of bodies outside and they can't physically fit more in. Like Patrick's trying to push them all in. Like they have so many people on this ship that it is actually ridiculous. Like it, that's like the whole population of what's left after the whirly bird incident. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> God, yeah. Like there's just there's so many bits later where they could have called back to that, but they weren't brave enough. Like there's a bit way later where like you see the population sign of bikini bottom and like spongebob like he, he's kind of going away so he crosses it out and makes it one less but it's like what if they just had like a different cross out prior that was like a hundred <laughs> and it's like there's so many things you could have done with it but i feel like like i'm not even sure how they honestly got away with implying that their main character killed like half of a town yeah i think i think that's how they could get away with it is just by like not at all addressing it other than just kind of saying it <laughs> and that's it like i yeah it's very strange it is, but, like, seeing that again, that is now one of my favorite Spongebob facts, is that Spongebob has committed what I think numerically counts as genocide. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's it's very strange, but also funny. It's, it's like, again, modern Spongebob would not have killed a swath of people. No, they would it not. It just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. It would not happen. I, it's, here's the thing, it's like, I don't even know why it happened this time. Like, I don't know what they, like, why they included I, I don't, that. Who, someone thought that up and well, said, it, what if, like, the reason Sandy doesn't want Spongebob to go to space is because he killed people? Yeah, like, I because they, they were clearly like, okay, we need a reason why Sandy doesn't want Spongebob to come. And it's, and, and to be fair, there there is a kind of, because in previous episodes with Sandy, th th this episode made a really big character change, I feel like, for Sandy. Not only is she now a scientist, but in previous episodes, Sandy has always seemed to be very patient with Spongebob shenanigans. In a lot of cases, just completely outright ignoring them, like not realizing that they're there. She is very hyper aware. I mean, I guess after the fucking Whirlybird incident, you would be. But like, she's very like hyper aware and very short with like Spongebob's antics. She does not really like you know like you said earlier like when when the ship starts she immediately she isn't like surprised or anything she's immediately like god damn it spongebob like it is so it, it's, a, it's a bit of a change for her character i think that it is a bit of a change but also like it makes sense because there's kind of this difference between like antics on the beach and like interfering with like 
the work that is presumably giving you the stipend to continue to live under the sea. But, True. Um, well, and also, you know, she's obviously, because again, we saw them meeting uh, early, just a few episodes, or not just a few episodes ago, but seven episodes ago. So she obviously has gotten time to know him and be like, oh, okay, this man is a menace to my life. Yeah, I think there's probably at least a couple different people SpongeBob is friends with who realize that pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. And so to to move on from that, because otherwise, really, it's just going to be, you know, helicopter incident after helicopter incident. <laughs> yeah. uh, we do have episode 8B. This is another well-known episode, and it is Squeaky Boots. It, this one is written by Steve Fonte, Chris Mitchell, and Mr. Lawrence, storyboarded by Steve Fonte and Chris Mitchell. Now, this story, um, it's... It, I would say it's not entirely original, but it is a very original take on the work. Um, a lot of the sort of aspects of what happens here mirror the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Telltale Heart. And it, it is another showing of SpongeBob as a show has this really weird appreciation in early episodes for classic horror media where sometimes they will just sneak in references or plot points that are specifically to like media children would have no concept of, especially at the age that they would watch this show. And so it's not like children would even pick up on like, th this is what we're doing. We're doing an adaptation and a reimagining of Telltale Heart. They would just be like, oh, this is an episode where SpongeBob, he has boots. Yeah, I, I honestly, until this go around, I actually never picked up on the Telltale Hearts comparison. So yeah, it was very... It's, uh... it's very clear and intentional when you know going into it. Yes, absolutely. Like when you've already read the short story, which is very short. Like mm -hmm. it is, it's like, I don't know how it is in a book format, um, but it's like a couple pages at most. Yeah, no, but, it's not long. So, I mean, when I say that they do a reimagining, you know, when they're turning that into a... Uh, a 10 minute you know cartoon bit uh they do add a lot of original work and context that i definitely think adds to it and makes it work in the context of an episode of spongebob mm -hmm. um to, to get into it we do see here um mr krabs we zoom in on his house and it is his daughter pearl's birthday and i'm pretty confident this is her first introduction actually i don't think we've if we've seen her it's never really been established who she is like, yeah 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 maybe she's been around like yeah as like maybe a character we've cut to or something like that but yeah this is the first and time so we're she, being introduced and, and she's she's mr krabs's daughter but it's important to note that he is a crab and she is a whale yes um this is never really addressed in no. the show. As, as far as I know, there's episodes of the show way later that I have not seen. But I don't believe they've ever made any official statements about it. Um, there's a couple different presumptions you can make about it. Um, I know some people, because Mr. Krabs has alluded to her mother in passing, but it's not really clear if like he is her biological father or like he adopted her after some kind of incident or or what the deal really is but i mean I, I think it's kind of fair in a sense that it, it's probably good for children to be like not every family looks like each other but there's still family and you can just accept that and you don't necessarily need an explanation for it because you know in some situations in the real world like you know being adopted can be like kind of a touchy subject for kids um yeah or like if something did happen to parts of your family god forbid that's like you know I would argue probably even touch here. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we never really explore, but as far as the show is concerned, Mr. Krabs is her father and she is his daughter. And that's, that's really all there is to it in spite yeah. of their, their clear differences in that. And so it, it's her birthday and 
in spite of the fact that this is his daughter. And I believe in this episode, she's turning 15 because continuity later would say yes. that she's going to turn 16 later. Yes. Um, regardless. Weird to think that that would only, is. that everything that would happen between this episode and that episode would be one year only, but you know. It's a hell of a year in Bikini Yeah, Bottom. hell of a year. Um, you know, Whirly Bird incident. But yep. anyway, in, in his cheapness, so he, he still values money over anything. Uh, we saw in the last episode over his own life. Here we see to some extent over his own daughter as well because Pearl was like, she was hoping, and it's implied she was kind of like hinting at it for a while. She wanted these new fashionable shoes that all of her friends have. And Mr. Krabs bought her shoes, but it was fishing boots that costed him $2. Yes. Yeah, and he... uh he not only it's it's really again this just speaks to how cheap uh, Mr. Krabs is because when her daughter when his daughter is clearly upset by the gift, he does not bargain on him. Yeah, he does not feel bad that he got her daughter a shitty gift. He got his daughter a shitty gift. He feels bad that he now spent two dollars on something that is not going to be used, which is just I mean that's yeah that's it just really speaks to to his character for sure. Um, so he's lamenting about that in his office, uh, when Spongebob walks in. I believe this is the first utterance of Spon uh, Mr. Crab referring to him as Spongeboy Meebob. Uh, I know, I know he does it, I know he does it other times, but I think this is the first time we hear it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so Mr. Krabs it, it, it intends to take full advantage of this, and proceeds to like gaslight spongebob into thinking that these boots are a must-have item that he has to like he has to get he uh i think he is like they're like fry cook boots like they're official fry cook boots and he's not an official fry cook unless he has them and these specific ones belong to like the best fry cook in the land so i think there, there's a there's a little bit of a greater context to this that's kind of been a little bit like lost in the the waves of this um, so he's sitting there, right? And his whole thing, it, to me, it doesn't even really seem like it's a pragmatism problem where it's like, I spent $2 on something that's not being used. It's, I spent $2 and I'm not getting any kind of value back out of it. Um, because like, you know, there's lots of different forms of perceived value. Like he presumed those $2 would translate to his daughter's happiness, which was a false equation. But now he's trying to think in what way can I gain value from this? And what SpongeBob does when he comes in is SpongeBob is asking for his paycheck. <laughs> and that is what starts Mr. Krabs saying like, oh, you know, okay, we can talk, but don't touch these boots. These are official fry cook boots from the most famous fry cook in the sea. Wow, who's that? I don't know his name, but he's really famous. <laughs> and um, so basically, he's doing all of this, and he's like, he's not sort of, oh, I could never part with these. You'd have to give me something really important. So I was like, oh, I, I can give you my paycheck instead. I'll just take the boots, but also I'll paint the crusty crab and I'll, I'll give you a year's worth of frying oil. And he's like, yeah, okay, you know, you can have the boots, sure. Uh, that's, that's a fair trade. Yeah. And so. SpongeBob and these boots now very quickly become inseparable and he basically goes to show them off to Squidward and they squeak. They have a very definitive, very clear squeak about them that is very loud, very audible. And he's just kind of moving around, messing around, um, kind of doing like little dances and shuffles in front of Squidward just to kind of like show off. And uh, is it a noise Squidward time already? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we, we then cut basically to the end of the day. Mr. Krabs, he is sleeping in his house and 
he's hearing a noise and like in his dreams it keeps reminding him of those boots and how annoying the squeak's been and it's actually his window is open and it's creaking which is reminding him of the squeaking and he goes up to shut the window <laughs> but there there's a hole there's a hole in the floor and he's got these little like crab legs and he trips over the hole and rips his leg off and <laughs> falls out the window then when he comes back in after doing a montage of trying to make sure the window stays shut and using his force of will to make sure it stays shut he then trips on another hole in the floor <laughs> and rips off his other leg it is again this is what i'm talking about with like the the cartoon like he just act, like it's it just seems like such like a no and again this is something that as a kid i just never questioned like yeah he broke part of his leg off that just you know that's just what happens when you trip and fall out a window when you if you get your leg stuck in a hole it breaks off and you fall out a window that's just what happens in life but yeah no he just his legs just break off and it's like he seems just more like annoyed that it happened rather more than anything like it's not it's it's, it's very strange now to try and give like a like a fun quote-unquote marine biology fact in nature i have read that if crabs suffer damage to a limb they'll just rip it off and move about their day huh. so i kind of feel like steven hillenberg having studied marine biology probably was like yeah he can do that like, just have him rip his legs off it doesn't matter <laughs> fair enough um one thing i do want to say about this scene and this actually goes for the last episode as well these two episodes have a really i really like how they use sound it just it like throughout all of them so in the last episode the ship like when they when they go onto the ship there's like the, all these beeps and boops like everything has a fun little noise whenever they interact with it and this episode it's the squeaking like they, i think they used the squeaking really well to like you know, like, to, to make the annoyance, to, to set, like, the stage for, like, you know, they, they use it in a lot of different ways. So it's the annoying aspect of him, like, squeaking on there. You hear the squeaks, like, in Mr. Krabs' dream and later on when he has his, like, freak out, the way that they use it there. I think these two episodes really use, like, these little sound effects uh, to great effect. And I, I do think the, the sound effect choice was really important for this kind of telling of the story because in a metaphorical and also an adaptational sense, these boots become SpongeBob's heart. Um, Mr. Krabs, he goes in the next day and SpongeBob has found ways to incorporate the boots into every aspect of his work. And it's to the point where Squidward can't even stand. He's like, I'm taking my vacation. I will see you in a week. And it's like, he's just waiting for this to blow over and sort out. And so every single thing SpongeBob does, he's like, could the greatest fry cook in the world do this, Mr. Krabs? Or, or did he do this? And he's just, Spongebob has become, you know, as good at his job as he normally is, maybe even better. He's just incorporated these boots in it and he can do these like ridiculous tasks. Like he can use the squeaking to emulate a human voice. Like someone <laughs> yeah. is at, at the register and he's like, like with squeaks, like, may I take your order? I'll squeak when it's ready. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. They they use it really really interestingly um yeah and I like a lot of there's like a it's not really a montage but it's he's just kind of like fucking around doing stuff in the boots so like they have one where like the boots like they're like bigger but they like go like him and the boots go across screen like they have him move in different ways with it I think they really had fun with the animation on this one like showing just like these different movements that he can now do in these boots and it seemed like the the writers understood that giving the boots an unmistakable and large presence was important for the ultimate payoff of where the story is going. Uh, because what, what continues to happen next is Mr. Krabs 
he's just he's hearing it no matter what he's he's hearing it when it's not even there and he's basically thinking like i have to fix this situation so he breaks into spongebob's house at night while he's sleeping and then he steals the boots and in a direct homage to you know the original tale with which we've spoken of he hides the boots under the floorboards which is the location in the story the, the story if you have not read edgar Allan poe's telltale heart which i i guess is valid because it's really not required reading for yeah. a spongebob podcast um, <laughs> the the general plot is that the main character we focus on has committed a murder and he has hid the body under his floorboards and the police come to interrogate him but it's not even like anyone really suspects him however he continues to be able to hear the heartbeat like the heartbeat isn't actually making noise for anyone else it is within him that he's hearing that because of his own actions and the torture he is now facing upon himself due to what he's done and so when mr krabs places these boots under the floorboards you know spongebob comes in the next day and he's absolutely devastated. He's he's crying. He's apologizing because in his mind, he has failed to protect a prized possession that was given to him generously by Mr. Krabs. And then Mr. Krabs tries to make it's it's really not a big deal. Like what if I what if I give you some magic oven mitts and SpongeBob he he puts the oven mitts on his feet and stands there. And he's like, they're not the same. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a funny bit. He's and then this clearly makes Mr. Krabs. I, this is, I think, what, what starts to trigger uh, what comes next is that he feels bad for having, you know, made Spongebob feel this way. Um, there's a customer that then uh, comes up to to uh, Mr. Krabs and starts giving him his order. Uh, but uh, once he, say, he says, I'll take a, and then instead of actual words, he it squeaks. And then uh, he asks him to repeat himself. Spongebob pokes his head out the window and says, I heard him, Mr. Krabs. He says he wants a, and then also squeaks. And then... This, just for Mr. Krabs, triggers a, just a freak out in his own mind where he, uh, where he starts to have visions of the boots and hears the squeaks and, and just really kind of loses it. He, he just starts like screaming. And again, this is very much so similar to what happens in, in the story. Um, but then he's like, I, I took the boots. They're here under the floorboards. And so he lifts the entire Krusty Krab. <laughs> to get to the boots and that that seems to be a bit that they kind of like to do a lot is like having a structure be lifted and like it's not like there's any like foundation or piping or anything like it is just regular ground underneath yeah you think um, should be lifting things like just the relationship between like buildings and the ground in the show seems like it weirdly gets shown off a lot yeah. but regardless he he takes the boots and then he fries them and they shrink down as they've been fried and he eats them and spongebob just looks at him and says why'd you eat my boots mr krabs <laughs> he just very and like not even like surprised or like mad or anything he's just like mr krabs why did you eat my boots <laughs> and mr krabs basically tells him like oh you know it it wasn't the boots that matter it's you know that spongebob is great no matter what he's wearing it's it's what's inside of him that counts and at that point we show that mr krabs he's decided now to go on vacation uh, he's on vacation with Pearl. We see that he got Pearl the shoes she wanted. It kind of seems like he's he's really learned his lesson through all of this. And then he starts hiccuping. And because the last thing he ate was those boots, his hiccups are reflective of the squeak that the boots had made. And so even at the end of all of it, he cannot escape his own actions. Yeah. And I think uh, I think this whole episode is, uh, you know, most episodes where we kind of have like a comeuppance story, it's normally been focused around Squidward. So it'll be Squidward does something shitty. 
uh, he'll get punished for it, and then there'll be some kind of, like, consequence or something going forward. That's normally focused around Squidward. This one is focused around Mr. Krabs this time, so it's a bit of a, you know, more exploration of his character. Again, obviously, we've, we've seen a little bit of him, but this is, a this you know, one of the few very Mr. Krabs-focused episodes, so it was a good good opportunity for us to see a bit more of his character and, you know, the stuff that makes him tick. Uh, more exploration of his, like, cheapness. You know, again, it's the the... the the whole kind of takeaway from this is, is you know, again, just showing how Mr. Krabs being as cheap as he is is a bad thing because it led to all of this. It, and it's one of those things where, you know, Squidward has the most direct contrasting character flaws that allow him to be um, the person who ends up suffering and having it be earned. But Mr. Krabs is definitely another character where the flaws and the kinds of sins of his being so to speak do allow very easily for him to be in the wrong and for him to make the kinds of mistakes that an entire episode can be based off of i would argue that um really like those are are the main two where it's like their character flaws are such a big part of who they are and how they interact with the world that mr krabs and squidward both just become easy de facto I don't want to say targets because it sounds like it's intentional as opposed to something they brought upon themselves, but uh, targets for disaster. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's not, they bring it on themselves, but it's the, from the writer's perspective, making them the target of, of them makes a lot of sense just because of the, the character traits that they've given them. Um, but yeah, no, this one, uh, again, it's a very, a, a, not a ton of quotable lines in this one for me. Um, it's more, you know, there's some, like, the, the, when he's getting Magic Oven Mitts, I think, is pretty good. Uh, Magic Oven Mitts is good, uh, when he gets, when he goes, like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I want those boots. I, I always remember that one pretty fondly. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's some good ones, but I feel like more, it's more the, the, the whole, again, I mean, I think, you know, the Telltale Hearts is a good story for a reason, and this is a, you know, either subconsciously or not, this is a, this is a, you know, a decent recreation of it, so it, you know, it leaves an impact. I feel like it, it it does like have to be like it's obviously something they intended to do but it's another one of those choices where kind of like I said when we started talking about the episode Spongebob will just make these decisions where it makes me feel like the team of just like the people in the office who worked on it had like a lot of appreciation specifically for classical like darker media because I, I don't believe we ever get this situation again where like what we have is clearly a direct adaptation of something, but we'll have you know a lot of callbacks to very specific situations, very specific things that it doesn't even matter. It's almost like they didn't care whether or not the audience understood what they were doing. They did it because that's what they wanted to do, um, which in itself is respectable because they managed to make it so that it is entertaining regardless of whether you know the source material it's it's something that actually when i think about shows doing that i think about um the simpsons because the simpsons in not like at the very first but definitely in some of its earlier years it has a lot of moments where it's like let's adapt classical literature let's let's do like what if bart was the odyssey um or like homer was the iliad which is kind of smart actually because that was written by homer but anyway <laughs> um i never actually thought about that till this exact moment but that is <laughs> now funnier to me but, you know, th this idea of, like, let's do an adaptation of a work, with how good it went, I am a little bit surprised that they never decided to try and take any other concepts and see where they could roll them. But at the same time, you know, it can come off as kind of unoriginal if you do it too often and if it's too obvious. So yeah. there could be a number of reasons they don't do it. But for this one time that they've done it, 
uh, it turned out really well. It's really memorable. And, you know, if you ever read the Telltale Heart later in life, you'll immediately remember it's like, dude, this is just like what Mr. Krabs, like those boots. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, and to, to kind of piggyback off that point, I think it's very easy to, to make, to do that and make it really lazy. You know, um, I think of something that, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the Simpsons. I think a bad example of that is, uh, is in Family Guy. Family Guy, a lot of times, will just make references or do quote-unquote homages to things, but not do them well. It's just the, the whole joke is, hey, we're doing an homage of this. Hey, like, hey, you remember this from the thing like that it's that we're copying? And it, without oh, geez, actually... Lois, this is worse than the time I cut to a two-hour cutaway of Star Wars. Yeah, it's like, I mean, and I think that, you know, that is kind of funny, like that episode of Family... But again, a lot of times, I mean, you know, it's it's very hit or miss with them on occasion. Um, normally misses. Uh, because they, they rely so heavily on like, hey, do you get it? This is the thing. Whereas with something like this... Again, I never even made the Telltale Heart reference until this time watching it, which just shows. And but again, I still love this episode, so it shows that it, it's it, they take the kind of idea of it and and make it into something make in something completely its own. But you, if you know it, it's just kind of an added bonus um, rather than you needing the supplement. Because there's a lot of bits again in Family Guy. If you don't know the source material, if you don't know where they're getting what they're referencing the joke completely falls flat even if i mean sometimes it doesn't even hit even if you know what they're referencing but if you don't know what they're referencing it, it the joke will completely fall flat and with this you know i mean it's not necessarily a joke but it's not like you know it's still interesting of a episode concept on its own and knowing the telltale heart influence is just kind of a bonus i would argue to like i mean with family guys sometimes the problem with um seth mcfarland's humor style which you can see in some of his theatrical uh some of the movies he's done like that he's made uh he will have a tendency where the joke is that he is explaining a joke to people who don't understand the joke which i don't i don't know who thinks that's funny i don't know i'm not a family guy podcast <laughs> yeah. i don't really like family guy but uh yeah to do an adaption and do it well especially when the source material if you just worked with what's in the source material it's not long enough i don't think it would fill 10 minutes i think it would because a lot of it is in prose, like a lot of what even makes it a couple of pages long is the prose and the inner thoughts of the the individual we're following. And to make that into a visual medium, uh, or at least like mostly visual medium, you would kind of not necessarily be able to do that in the same way. And even if you did, even if you took every line, line for line and just said it, I'm I'm not even sure you would hit 10 minutes. I'm really not. And so well, again, what they managed to add in and the way they managed to pace it to, to make a story here is definitely something that'd be appreciated and took some level of artistry to do. Well, and like we talked about, the, they the, they substituted the prose that you would get in Telltale Hearts, and obviously you're not going to recite that line for line, with the the good sound design of the squeaking. So they were able to replicate, you know, the the lines that, that referenced the, um, that referenced uh, the, like the beating heart and all that with the just hearing the squeaking and the visuals especially when mr krabs has his like breakdown like all those cool visuals that they do and stuff they're able to they're able to make that up in that way which i think was very again it requires skill again this is why i made the family guy comparison because a lot of times they'll just do whatever the story is verbatim and while throwing in like dick and fart jokes whereas with this they they very much were able to translate something that is is uh, text, you know, that is written in text and make it into a visual medium and have it still have, you know, the same effect. 
and it, it does feel very specific to like Mr. Krabs' breakdown. Like in the text of the Telltale Heart, um, basically what you're told is that at first, like he's talking with the police and then like he's hearing the heartbeat. So he starts to talk a little louder to try and drown it out because I don't think he realizes it's not actually something others can hear. And then like it comes like, oh, he's like he's laughing really loud to try and drown it out. But it just continues to get louder and bear on him to the point where like he's just screaming and breaking things to try and hope that those around him cannot hear it. And so to to visually represent that breakdown with Mr. Krabs, like he's seeing everything like that. He's hearing it louder and louder until he's just screaming and he's just losing it is like, I mean, all the changes they made to make it a special episode in mind. It really is like a perfect adaptation of what that scene conveys in the short story. And so it does feel like, you know, I can't really say, I have tried to do research on, you know, the writing and directing like storyboarding staff of SpongeBob as we've gone along. And a lot of it isn't super well documented for any of them, but I have to imagine that at least some of the people working on this specific episode had like not just an interest, but a real respect in how they wanted to adapt a classic piece of literature and how to turn words, a written story into a visually understandable medium. And you, some people in your mind, you might think that's easy, but it's really not. There's a lot that goes into that. Like it's, it takes a lot of work to make sure that what's being conveyed will mean the same thing to everyone or at least most people and will fit the scene to what people imagined in their head. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and that's the, you know, all the time, you know, there's there's disappointments when it comes to a book being made into a movie um, or a TV show or something like that. And that really, you know, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of that can come from just, like, bad writing and stuff, but a lot of it also is you just don't get the same... It's hard to convey the emotions the same way. So if you don't, you know, and it takes... Again, it takes talent to interpret what is being said on the page and translate that into what would that look and sound and, you know, and be in that way. Some adaptions are nothing because they chose to be nothing. But (laughs) yeah, this, this, this one, you know, it's, that's really all that can be said about it is on its own as an episode of SpongeBob. It's good as an adaption or homage of a short story. It's good. It Mm -hmm. just is good. It knows what it's doing. It works with purpose and it, it fills in all the pieces that need to be filled in. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a laugh out loud, funny episode because the source material and the concept isn't funny. No, it, it's, it's again, the source feels a very dark work where it's like about murder that was turned into like eating boots. And it's like, there are <laughs> funny moments like Mr. Why'd you eat my boots? Mr. Krabs. Yeah. Um, uh, but but it's like you know you you might not laugh as much watching it but there's it's very appreciable as a story especially it, it almost feels like dissonant from what came before where it's like this is about humor and like suspension of disbelief for joke and here it's like this is how do we turn this really like kind of adult themed story into just something that's like for general audience children um well i think it really speaks to how good they did then that like this is this is like you said this isn't that the laugh out loud funny again i don't i don't have a ton of quotes from this one that i'm like you know like oh god that was was this hilarious line but it's but it speaks to how fondly remembered it is by everybody you know again if if you were to if you were to bring up this episode or anybody that knows the show they would probably say like yeah oh yeah that one was great um 
but it's not that like laugh out loud funny so it shows how good of a job they did of drawing in your attention keeping it and and you know making a good story without having to rely so much on the humor spongebob kills an entire town of people that's cool <laughs> mr krabs kills one person nah it's gotta be boots <laughs> i think that would have been a step too far if, he, if they actually did like a direct recreation of telltale hearts i mean like who can they sacrifice and then mr krabs just be okay for like the next episode like, yeah. honestly. but I mean, we'll, we'll actually get into an episode where Mr. Krabs kills someone later, but we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, you know, that's that's really all I have to say about these. You know, overall, you know, we say it over and over again. This one's pretty solid. So I, I think definitely as a study of an ad- adaptation work, at least Squeaky Boots is definitely worth a look. If you are interested in the concept of making an adaptation of a written work. Yeah, I totally agree. Right, well, with that, um, I believe that's all we have to say. And I thank you very much. We will see you next week for episode nine. See you, everybody. <laughs>